Broadcasting from Occupy, Tongwa Lin in Long Beach, California. This is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast. This is Miles here, and I'm with my comrades, Vic, Jordan, and special guest, Antonio. Vic, what's been going on? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Caught COVID and Christmas in New York, visiting my family. Oh, oh that's a bummer. Yep. Came back, got the mutual aid work still going. And looking forward to the rest of the year and trying to see how we're going to take down these people in Long Beach, you know? These capitalists running our lives into misery somehow. But besides that, you know, day-to-day life is good. I'm okay. I can't complain. Okay, okay. Is this your first time getting COVID? Yes, first time. I dodged a bullet the whole time. Okay, so it wasn't too severe for you? Um, It knocked me down for a couple days, and I think I still have like a cough of some sort. Wow. Yeah. Like a month later or something. That's pretty like I think at this point I've gotten it like three times. You oh, like it. I guess or likes me. <laughs> uh Jordan. Jordan, how you doing? Oh, doing okay. Uh being grinded down by the capitalist forces that uh Vic mentioned. I was having a lot of fun at work wearing a mask because I work in OC and like uh it's so funny, like people there are still like <laughs> Like we had a COVID outbreak and I was like, I guess I'll wear this. <laughs> I guess I'll wear this because there's a COVID outbreak that wasn't announced. And people are like, why are you wearing a mask? Are you sick? And I'm like, uh, I'm trying not to be. So I just love working on Orange County, man. That's just the vibe out there forever. In terms of the COVID stuff, like definitely I was sick. I didn't have COVID, but I wore a mask and people were like, why are you wearing a mask? Like very much being challenged and questioned. I mean. In, in my workplace, which is a grocery store, like more people do wear masks, pens, I guess, on the location. But yeah, definitely people were like, why are you wearing a mask? Like, are you sick? What is going on with you? I don't, I don't know. We're still like, doing this. this. Is, like, this is fine. Yeah, we're uh, still you know? doing this. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. are still doing this. I still got to explain what this thing does. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Just pretend exactly. like you live in a civilized country. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> five seconds and like figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Antonio, what's happening? Yeah, trying to survive this month. It's felt like we've been in this month for quite a few days. Like it's been like January forty fifth. I don't know. <laughs> so I think my brain is just trying to wrap itself around that right now. I think just coming back from vacation and visiting family in Mexico, and then coming back into organizing right away and planning for the rest of the year, trying to figure out what we're going to be doing out here in Long Beach in our coalition space. But I'm a community organizer with Long Beach Forward, of course, out here in Long Beach. And so that's essentially what we're getting into, finding out with the rest of coalition members and just our organizers in Long Beach. So, aye, yeah, aye. Yeah. Right on. Trying to make uh, life in Long Beach uh, tenable for working people. Exactly. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's basic understanding, but somehow that does not register for <laughs> a lot of folks. <laughs> frustrating work dude imagine working 14 hours a day bringing tacos all day long and then it's not even legal it's in some sort of quasi gray market like the people we spoke to like the people we spoke to and for listeners out there maybe you have an idea about what we're already talking about in long beach we are talking about the street vending market in long beach in this episode we're specifically going to be examining the experience of street vendors but also the Long Beach City Council's move to regulate, to regulate the legal, in quotes, market for street vending, which California state recently passed legislation as well, effectively decriminalizing it. But we're going to examine it more closely because, uh, 
yeah, I think there's really crucial details to understand about what's going on for street vendors, but also the shortcomings in understanding and action that elected and city officials take. Antonio, thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. As an organizer with Long Beach Forward, you've kind of been there since the beginning, right? At least in the Long Beach context of like organizing with street vendors around this issue. We came into the conversation halfway uh, at the halfway point. So okay. um, this conversation started back in 2022. Oh my God, I don't know the years. <laughs> almost, yeah, over two years or almost two years ago, mm-hmm. right? That was introduced by Mary Sendejas at city level. And so vendors were already showing up to these council meetings, right? Advocating on behalf of themselves, on behalf of the interests of their colleagues in their respective areas. And so we, um, alongside other coalition members and community organizations, and also just folks who were standing in solidarity with street vendors, joined halfway through 2023. And that's where we started engaging more with street vendors. And it's not for Long Beach Forward to claim like the work that vendors were already doing. It's just we tapped into that work. We, if anything, we're standing in solidarity and using the resources, the connections we've had to support vendors in their path to legalize street vending in a way that would favor the, uh, the vendors and their experiences on the ground. So that's been the overall work we did with street vending out here in Long Beach. It was much, much more complex than we thought it would be. You know, we thought it was like, oh, it's pretty obvious how vending, how street vending should go about at a city level where vendors can be able to vend without all these restrictions, without the harassment of law enforcement, without mm-hmm. the harassment of city staff in general. But realizing that that wasn't fully being considered from a city level nor at city council level either. So just recognizing how those were a bunch of challenges and we like were learning more obstacles as we had the conversation with council members. Um, when we went up to city council meetings, we recognized like, oh, these are the the pitfalls or the blind side of what city council was missing in the conversation or just general mm-hmm, city mm-hmm. staff, you know? So we were being mindful of that. So we were talking to vendors out on the ground. Uh, we were talking with a public council, the pro bono attorney, I would say, yeah, law, law firm who were part of also bringing us, bringing the state up to level of decriminalizing and also making sure that, Vendors had an accessible pathway to um, van out on the streets across California as well. So now, mm. so so to give you more context, of course, we've heard this growing up. We saw it um, even through my own personal experience of my parents vending out on the streets. When I was in middle school, my parents were eloteros. In English, it's like person who sell corn on the streets, right? So the esquites and all that good stuff. And so like w- I... At a very young age, and my parents, of course, right, recognized the obstacles that law enforcement were constantly harassing them or harassing other vendors. Could you give us like an idea about when this was that your your parents had this experience? Yeah. So in terms of years, so this was middle school. So this was late around 2009, 2010. And what area was it? Uh, this was South Central LA. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So we recognized or yeah, we experienced all uh, the harassment Thankfully, it never escalated to anything serious where um, our equipment or my parents' equipment, basically their carts or their food were impounded. That seems like they're lucky, at least right, uh, compared to the experience of uh, food street vendors in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So 
that was a reality and it's still a reality despite of where we're at at a state level and a city level where we have these senate bills protecting vendors right so the first one being in back in 2018 the at Senate Bill 946 decriminalized street vending across um, state of California, which meant that a law enforcement or the city in general could not um, treat vendors as criminals because they were just get, getting by, you know, making money yeah. for themselves, for uh -huh. their family. And so, like, I would say the activists, the organizers before my time recognize that well off. So that's mm. what happened in 2018. Okay. Prior to then, people who were vending could be criminalized, like have everything possessed by the police yeah. and like basically get booked. Yeah, confiscated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time folks weren't going to go claim it because they're like, all right, we're going to like enter, like deal with yeah. law enforcement once again. Sure, like sure. what did that uh -huh. mean? Especially uh -huh. for folks who um, are immigrants and don't have the formal documentations or identification. So that was a scary process. So that in a sense, decriminalized street vending but of course, that did not mean it was addressing every other issue that still vendors face on the ground, right? People were uh -huh. still being harassed uh -huh. by Karens, by all these businesses, by law enforcement, by city health uh -huh. departments. Right. So that's, all of that still continued. And so those conversations were still being had. And so in 2022, Senate Bill 972 meant that um, while it wasn't fully addressing the issues of harassment and like being impounded by cities, departments, at least it gave vendors an extra protection to give them a more accessible pathway to register for their city permits. So at least they can fight or like have a stance against all these city like staff, law enforcement to say like, hey, we can at least have this supporting us that we can vend, right? So this this bill was a pathway through the state to get this documentation for vending? So that one gave vendors the pathway to uh, apply for their permits, right? To even begin that process. Okay. At the state level? Yeah, at a state level. Okay. So, right. okay. Um, so folks were able to begin that process of applying for their permits because before then, um, even though street vending was decriminalized they didn't have a way to enter the formal economy so their folks were stuck in this gray market and so there was still you know a lot of backlash or like oh vendors are not doing it the right way but there is no there's, right way. <laughs> there's no system to support vendors on the ground yeah though so those two senate bills were major success points for vendors across california of course this is all to due to the organizers and activists and also folks who stood in solidarity over the past years to let up to this point and so now those two senate bills create a, a ground for um every city to adopt right so every city is now adopting mm. it but so since that's a base every city f is figuring out how they're going to legalize it or how are they going to write it into their books to let vendors essentially <laughs> sell on the ground right mm. This is why okay. this is like weed legalization all over again. Right? Oh, like, you're reading years, my mind. Yeah. Years and years of fighting, right? <laughs> to get that passed. And then it passed and it was like, and we're going to leave a bunch of local control to the cities to, to regulate. Right. And then we got another years and years and years of like fighting about, it was like, it's like nothing is ever truly over in this, in our <laughs> political system. Right. It's like, we have to like, I understand there needs to be some sort of local element, but like the idea that like now you have to go and like, the city of Long Beach had to pass this and you had to do this organizing. I'm sorry, the vendors also had to do this organizing to like fight for a good local ordinance. Right, right. It's like how convoluted can we get? You know what I mean? How many layers can we put on this onion? 
seems like they made like a minimum minimum threshold of requirements. And I think this is what lack what's lacking in a lot of legislation is they don't really define like upper limits here, right? And yeah. at least if, I think from what we're going to see and what Long Beach is proposing, there's it's, it's not realistic in terms of oh, a, a pathway. 110%. <laughs> like, I don't even know where to begin with some of these. Like, the average total cost to a vendor is like 1600 to 3100 Like, how, with all these different fees that, that's added up, that. Right. That, so, <laughs> that. I don't, I don't, like, I don't know even what to say to that. Right, right. Um, that's just the reality. We were bringing up to city council and city staff, at least here in Long Beach where we recognize that the ordinance back then, like the second half of 2023, that what they were proposing were just unrealistic expectations and guidelines for vendors, mm. recognizing that like a large chunk of vendors, individual um, food vendors or just street vendors make on average 20K a year. So imagine oh my God. taking 20K and then from there having to pay for these kinds of permits, right? That Permits can be, or I'm uh, not necessarily a specific permit, but just in general, like the overall permits, insurance, and all these re- guidelines or regulations that the city will ask can cost between one thousand six hundred up to a little over three thousand. So depending on the business, right? If it's a specific food, um, or their specific like clothing, so it all depends on the business. But that realistically is just like a huge chunk of like someone's income in a year, mm. right? Yeah, you sell really good food and you got some t-shirts that you want to hand out as merch to support your business. So you qualify for pretty much all these fees. Right. So that was like a huge, <laughs> it still is a huge concern, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it just hurts seeing how city in general are not aware of these obstacles, yet they promote like diversity, inclusion. Ah, I was like, well, right. if you're really promoting that, you got to consider all these economic burdens and obstacles that you're creating. Like you mentioned pitfalls when introducing us to the topic at the local level. Can you give us some examples of like two or three major pitfalls that you believe the city is falling into? Well, the immediate one tied to all of these permits and insurances that the city will be requiring within the next couple months is even just to start this process for immigrants who don't have their formal documents or formal identification that itself is already a barrier, right? So we understand a lot of folks might not have access to a social security number or even have access to ITIN um, to even begin. So that one is, ITINs are for immigrant folks who can pay their taxes or at mm-hmm, least, mm-hmm. right, be able to access that formal economy. For which of these elements, by the way, the elements that the city is proposing is that you need a health permit, plan check fees, 
a business license, county vendor permit, liability insurance. Like for which of those elements do you need an SSN or an ITIN? Just from the base. Just from the very beginning you need Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Just from the base, right? And so we recognize that for undocumented folks, since they don't have those formal identifications to even begin the process, like they just can't even, yeah, basically just leave it at that. They just can't start the process. So where does that mm -hmm. put them? They still are in this stuck position. And so that's what we kept bringing up to city council. Mm -hmm. We kept bringing this up to city staff and they're like, you know what? Um, they, in some sense, would just ignore our comments. I'm like, well, this is going to backfire mm. on y'all, right? Because, like, you're setting up all these guidelines, but these are unrealistic guidelines for a huge chunk of street vendors. And so <laughs> it's going to, it's essentially setting up people to fail, if you all, really think about it. All Democrats. <laughs> I, oh wow was that uh, almost uh, all right. democrats <laughs> uh supposedly democrats i love i love i love running the former cop democrat i'm gonna get into it <laughs> mm -hmm. totally understand what you're saying about like this unrealistic standard we went out and tried to talk to some of these street vendors directly in like interviews and a lot of what we got back was folks would directly say to us that they were like undocumented mm -hmm. and didn't want to be on mic so we don't have any actual audio of these interviews uh, just let folks know so like this is a group of folks that like a lot of them are have these kind of barriers a lot of vendors are undocumented because i went and spoke with these folks mm -hmm. in terms of like multiple hours i wanted to clarify sort of what they had suggest what they had told me in terms of the hours they worked because i went out and i spoke with these folks trying to keep it vague here for obvious reasons mm -hmm. they told me that the amount that they make is contingent on the amount that they sell each night and that on average it's about $300 a week and I was like oh you know I was trying to relate to them talking about how much I work how much I make and I assumed they were working maybe six eight hours a day they like laughed at me and they were like no it's like 11 to 14 hours a day oh. mm -hmm. so you know I if you work it out they're making like five dollars an hour or less right which to me is immediately like this is this is a labor this is also intersecting with a really big labor issue. And so that to me suggested it's an extraordinarily complicated, basically just area of, of the economy. But furthermore, in terms of what I think Jordan was saying, like you can compare the influence. Uh, could you compare, I guess, the influence of like the Chamber of Commerce in terms of their relationship with the city and then the position, the economic and social and political position of, of these street vendors and workers and how that affected uh the decision making of the city yeah like the, these folks don't have like the resources and money and access and access and yeah. power of like the restaurant association mm. and it's like i know long beach forward and other orgs have been working with vendors and stuff to do what they can but like do you feel like that's been a big anchor around this organizing effort of the fact that, like the council is like not receptive because vendors don't have the money and the resources of like other lobbying groups yeah definitely so well in general when i mean y'all experienced this too when y'all were having those conversations with vendors there was hesitance um mm -hmm. sometimes there's and i perfectly understand the skepticism of random people of course popping, <laughs> walking over to their stalls um we were out there in the mornings and at nighttime so they're like okay where, where are these people like are these people like working at random hours of the day but essentially there was this um belief that we were working on behalf of the city and so whatever mm -hmm. they shared we were going to share with the city and i was like no that's not the situation here and we perfectly understand that because most of the time 
like the that their that mistrust comes out of like realities of like mm-hmm. how they've been treated by city staff or just any form of like city um mm-hmm. departments right so in that sense when we were outreaching to folks inviting them to community meetings to city council to even share a comment of their situations what they would like to see in an ordinance they sometimes would shrug me off and that's perfectly fine like i wasn't like angry or mad i just like fully understand the experience and why folks were hesitant and like this would have been a great opportunity for folks to also if they had the support from a city to say like hey we're going to legalize y'all and also recognize the struggles or like the complications or um yeah the complications that y'all come across whether that's like through labor that's something that could open the doors but at this point it the way the city or long beach created their ordinance it further pushes vendors away from creating a genuine relationship with the city or even like bringing up any of these issues like labor issues right so Mm. another pitfall right a huge pitfall that um city can be a part of it's showing the contradiction of a declaration of a sanctuary state and a sanctuary city and just leaving being able to participate legally in the economy an Mm. open-ended question right they haven't Mm -hmm. really answered that at all They're not trying to implement any policy or legislation to ensure that people without documentation can be out of the shadows in terms of their job, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're still in a situation where they need to either borrow an SSN, get an SSN somehow illegitimately, right? Or Mm -hmm. just hopefully work for somebody that doesn't care. So like there's economic barriers and it seems like, yeah, they're getting pushed out something that's, such a cultural touchstone of Southern Southern California is street vending and street food. Oh yeah. Like I remember the first time I smelled a bacon wrap hot dog, I like almost (laughs) lost my mind coming from New York. Like (laughs) we don't, you don't don't deal with those smells on the, (laughs) you know, when you're leaving the club and everybody knows that that's why we all laugh. So like one, I wanted to ask, was there ever an approach or even ask the city just a hands off just to be like, it is what it is type of thing or is that not even approachable now like it is what it is in terms like of like just hands off and just let them street vend well minimum regulations no regulations that's what that? we have been advocating for right Got to you. like create as least yeah. of restrictions possible for vendors right and so by that like lowering ideally eliminating most of these like permits or like even ins- okay. especially insurance right or at least lowering them to a point where vendors can at least access or like mm-hmm. um, start the process for themselves. Mm. And so city councils, city staff they're weren't willing to like work and they're like, even. you know what, I don't know what was going behind. Like what was their long-term vision of like getting money from this process, but somehow there was no cooperation as much as we advocated, as much as we had, um, as, as much as organizers had these meetings outside of council. Understood. I mean, it seems to me like long term, it's just going to still be a great market. I don't see how it's. I don't oh, see no. how anything is really going to change. For sure, vendors are still going to vend. You know, <laughs> they're still yeah. they're still going to have to make their money to survive to keep a roof over their heads. They were vending when the police were allowed to and were doing confiscating all their yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And we talked to folks yeah. where they got their stuff confiscated like three times. Uh-huh. The whole operation, tents and everything. They're like, okay, well, I guess I got to go out get more get more tents and start this all over again. Yeah, and the city knows that. Folks are still going to vent regardless, right? right? But now somehow they have a pathway to somewhat criminalize or 
you know, these vendors. So it kind of goes in like some form of full circle, right? Right. They have a pathway to now criminalize them for not doing the right thing again. Yeah. Once again, I don't know this. I feel like it, there's undertones of like the good immigrant here because a lot of immigrants do street vent. And it's like, oh, if you can't go get that permit, right. like, you're quote unquote bad. Yeah, I mean, initially, the reason why folks sell underground, right, like the way my parents sold, um, was because they didn't have the formal documentation to enter the so-called like formal economy, and uh -huh. now we're restrict we created restrictions around that informal economy, around street vending, and so we, in some sense, like just made it more complicated. We complicated a labor sector that folks used or relied to survive. To make money and so now it's much more complicated for yeah them. yeah that's why i'm talking about like the hands-off approach because it happens for centuries happens all over the planet it just is what it is and just just let it exist minimal permits everybody it's like us taking a census basically you know who they are what they're doing where they live and you could id them and that's about it people gotta vent man like yeah. it's gonna yeah. happen and I've brought up this point before. It's like, at some point, is it like incompetence or is it, this is, no, this is exactly what they wanted to do. Set up lots of barriers for people mm. and to fundamentally change what we understand as like street vending. Like 20 years from now, we'll be like, hey guys, remember when we used to go down and just be able to get like a lote <laughs> and now you got to get the lote robot to come over here. And shoot it down your fucking gullet. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to order Uber Eats because we got rid of all street vending. Exactly. Oh, my God. We're going to be, begin the process of gentrifying in Lotte. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, it yeah. already has uh, happened, right? But right? Just like, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> your lips yeah. to God's Yeah, let's rapid fire it. Just to hit the highlights of like, if you're a vendor today, like this is what has basically been passed and is going into effect. So they kind of crow about the fact that they're removing barriers, but Antonio was mentioning, I mean, out the door with all these fees, what are you looking at, roughly? Just realistically, well, like I mentioned earlier, that the fees really depend on the type of business, right? So they also have categories of saying like, package, pre-packaged food, you'll be charged like a certain amount. And then if you sell, like, for example, one of the sections says people who sell items such as hot dogs, popcorn, smoothies, or cut fruit will pay $730 for their annual health permit and one-time 445 plan check fee, right? So that, in a sense, is like, that's ridiculous, right? Cutting fruit. <laughs> and you make 300 bucks a week, a lot of these people. Right. And I, it just seems like folks dismiss like oh it's just one hundred dollars three hundred dollars like it's not gonna hurt your your pocket yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. you'll make it up somehow i'm like wow in a whole dude, week like like that's so much money yeah you're like dude and, i mean even if they have a boss i mean where do bosses always uh cut margins to get more profit there you go labor baby right and even the hamburgers or okay that's the other category is hamburgers tacos burritos and kebabs will pay 730 for their annual health permit and a one-time plan check of one thousand one hundred sixty-five dollars, 
That is ridiculous. Yo, this man. is un-American. That's separating hamburgers and hot dogs in different yeah, categories. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not standing for this. What is going on? Completely I was like, these are specifically like targeting uh, and like I don't know, grouping uh, certain like vendors yeah. and like like they they're yeah they're like all right, where are we gonna make the most money by grouping mm. certain like food groups? And then, of course, like taco stands are what we mostly see, yeah. <laughs> right? So they're all like, right. all right, this is a place where we can for sure make money. If you sell prepackaged non-perishable, from what I'm reading in the ordinance, you just you don't need a health permit. You just need a business license. So it's just like what Vic had said. If you're selling a certain type of food, you're not regulated. Basically, yeah. <laughs> they just get your business license and call it a day. So it's like, and that's fine. But that, that's fine for these people, but not the other people. Not the other people. Right. <laughs> okay. I, and it, so right. it I is mean, possible. Apparently, a lot of people are just not going to get business. <laughs> well i know but what i'm saying is like just this group that only needs the business license yeah. the other ones need the other stuff that antonio talked it's like but why them but why not the, you know what i mean we it's, do that all day it's yeah like, right pick and choose pick and choose pick and choose it's like a public policy class it's like hey write us a, a policy that will just utterly fail right right and so there are other details like going further into the document right um which some like guidelines make sense so like vendors may not dispose of wastewater grease in the streets of course that makes sense yes. right we're trying to keep uh -huh. our cities clean that's perfectly valid but some other ones are ridiculous right of like where folks can be posted um or how close um vendors can be posted next to each other so there's a specific ones that say vendors may not operate and gives you a bunch of like bullet points and one specifically that stands out to me is uh, vendors may not operate within 20 feet of another stationary sidewalk vendors this little place where people right commune together right exactly what about food trucks right. they they like stack yeah. those guys up on the pipe like cordwood <laughs> no it's never been a problem it's how too, too much food too delicious. <laughs> delicious stop yeah you go get a haircut i get myself a juice and like you know maybe a hat or a t-shirt like what the fuck i mean it's there's look at like places where bars congregate and restaurants congregate having lots of different establishments near each other is beneficial for the whole area mm -hmm. it's a positive <laughs> social good <laughs> no yeah yeah some of these are just hard to pocket i'm like really like you really had to go out of your way to specifically like write this out and say like 20 feet from another stationary vendor right specifically they're also banning you can't use folding tables and picnic coolers oh my and god like, what are what are they gonna do what how are you gonna get a table out there that doesn't oh. fold i don't i literally don't get it i i remember Am I missing something here this might be part of like a public private partnership because they i remember at city council meeting they had a specific like street vending cart they wanted people if people bought it would allow oh. them to bypass or have an e even easier time that's another, getting what they needed that's another area where we were looking at prices for these so-called pre-approved carts, specifically mm -hmm. for tamaleras. Is it? Are they made by the city? Uh, are they no. Up, no, 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 no. Public, they they, oh, they would oh just comply God. with what the city is requiring, mm -hmm. right? Sure. So sure. like vendors. Mm -hmm. So on top of all of these permits, fees, and whatnot, they're already asking that those specific carts can cost at least seven thousand five hundred dollars that is wild right yeah, and these what? are by organizations with so-called like good faith right who understand that there's a market for this imagine the folks who like may upcharge right once mm -hmm. like sure i mean this is why we always 
talk shit about the public-private partnership. This is like it doesn't work. The rot of neoliberalism. Yep. And a huge reason why a lot of the quote-unquote like benefits of American living in the heart of the empire. Let's yeah. be real. A lot of that shit has gone away because of the public-private partnership. This is just another. Yeah, example. we should have. The fucking cops should be building these taco cars. <laughs> yeah, so that's something I brought up or questioned city staff to like give us details of like what's the amount or the cost of those so-called pre-approved cards, right? Because I was like, that's something that y'all are not sharing publicly, but will like hurt vendors like once oh this ordinance God. kicks in. Um, and I still didn't answer it. <laughs> They'd like just vaguely say like, oh, we're gonna help out with providing y'all with some guides. For pre-approved cards or pre-approved equipment. God. Oh, they they do have uh, financial assistance for the first year, and I, I forget somebody said that it would amount to like a couple hundred tops. I believe this would come out of the Long Beach Recovery Act. Um, I don't know the amount of money that um that would specifically fund, but I remember like in council, I was like making the calculations um on my phone, and it would cover around one hundred sixty-six vendors. <laughs> Okay. Right, and and I was like, "What? <laughs> so what about the rest? <laughs> what is with this means testing stuff? Like they love this stuff. Ridiculous. They crammed means testing into a street vendor ordinance. Yeah, uh, we would go up to city council. We would have these conversations outside of city council with the council members themselves or their staff to them. Like, hey, it's not us trying to like nitpick or being like these like annoying like organizers or just community members how they see us sometimes." It's like, no, it's just a reality too. Like we're in some sense helping each other out. Like we're trying to eliminate these barriers, but also like, like y'all are going to complicate it for yourselves down the line. Once y'all see how many vendors are not applying or not because they're acting out of bad faith, it's just out of their means to like follow these regulations. And so I don't know we were just easily dismissed. Right. And, and, and LA has been dealing with this for a while. Like and five years. For a while. Yeah. I didn't know it was five years, but I think now their health permits are down to $37. Yeah. And it's like, look, you don't what? think LA could have figured, you don't, You think if LA could have done this, they, they wouldn't have done it? Of course they would have done it. It doesn't work. You know, they're yeah. down to $37 for a health permit. Like, yeah. It's 27, but regardless. It's 27. Yeah, oh, yeah regardless. Even lower. <laughs> yeah, regardless. We can't do what LA does. Like. <laughs> it's frustrating just hearing it this. It is. Like, yeah. Being formalized. And there's just like, like, and then they expect vendors to go through a process to create a relationship with community, yet you constantly, like, I don't know, you constantly, like, create these barriers, right? Mm -hmm. This mistrust. Yeah. And then somehow you blame it on the individuals or of community course. members who don't want to comply, who don't want to build relationships with the city. Uh-huh. Mm. Let me ask you, what do you think was needed? Like, more power, more people, more people at city council meetings, if the... If there was twice as many people at every single event, you oh, think that would have changed oh, city council? Definitely. Um, it's easy for organizers and people who are doing this work to be easily dismissed, mm -hmm. like just painted as like, oh, here they come with another social gotcha. issue, right? Understood. right? Understood. But when yeah. they see new faces, they're like, oh, we can't like have that same personality uh -huh. with them. And so they have to like sit there and listen to like the needs of vendors. But again, like I said, couldn't blame them like i wasn't angry with any vendor because we recognize that these meetings were also during like <laughs> the peak hours where yeah. vendors tuesday were night at 7 p.m like and so like at yeah. one yeah being a time when they're selling and two like maybe they could have like brought one or two people like to council but because there's no 
trust with the city. They're like, why are we going to go there? Why are we going to expose our business? Predictions. What's going to happen with this? Well, you already got my prediction. Yeah, we're going to come to the same situation again that no one wanted yeah. to apply or people started the process, but like a small fraction were able mm. to go through the whole process. Yeah, how many steps are here? Like five? I will make an ironclad prediction. Go ahead. Uh-oh. So this ordinance requires vendors to have $1 million of liability insurance. Unlike in my research restaurants, which don't have such requirements from the city, I promise you right now no insurance policy will ever pay out on anything to do with any <laughs> <of these laughs> this is going to be another it, we talked about pub, public private partnership yep. i promise you right now this is a giveaway to the insurance industry mm-hmm. of like yeah that happens all yep. the time yes. where stuff yeah. is required to be insured that like is not that risky relatively and then they just break in the cash and when something big, big happens like if somebody does get food poisoning mm-hmm. and somehow tracks down a vendor and hires a private investigator to find their address <laughs> and do all the 6,000 steps it would take to actually sue them in court. The insurance won't do shit. Nobody's going to pay out. Yeah. It's never. Mm-hmm. So I guess my point I'm making here is my prediction is that the insurance thing, I don't know if the city will drop it, but I just don't see that actually ever being used or affected. Right. To me, that's the most farcical thing of this mm-hmm. whole thing. Beyond the folding That's table, amazing even. and very specific. <laughs> Just because every time yeah. I see insurance requirements, I always think, is this really necessary? And in this one, it's like, you're going you're gonna, to like find right. the guy who owns the taco cart and like... <laughs> when you were wasted at like four in the morning? like And serve him yeah. with papers? Like, what, what's the process? And then the insurance is going to pay out? Like, it just it's never going to happen. Look, there's a lot of street food in New York, and I've been sick my fair share of times, especially... From the Euro spots, but hey, those are real good. I'm never, never in my whole life would those people ever. Yeah, what the fuck? Never would I think of going. I mean, I got sick. I went back the next day because it was delicious as hell. (laughs) Like, dude, that happens like with Chipotle and all those like well established things. I was like, that's why it happens with food. (laughs) Yes, it happens with restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you met somebody who like retired on a million dollars because? They got food poisoning at Chipotle. <laughs> I've never heard one. anyway, you know? Man, all right. I just, uh, I have been having like these tinfoil fucking nightmares thinking <laughs> like Uber Eats or like some other company is going to come in with an app-based Holy thing shit. and just be able to pay all these fees, cover Long Beach with their carts, with the $7,000 carts, and just say, all right, we're here now. We're the new street vending. Okay, we're going to be selling like, you know, Tacos with mayo now. So, <laughs> and that's it. Like, you know what I mean? And that's God, that. I hope you're not right. Because that's a pot. Now that opens up a lane. And the reason I said that is because of what you said, Jordan. The weed industry. Mm. Mm. Look what happened when you legalized the weed industry. Mm. There's no more mom and pop dealers. There's no more like, hey, I got right. my guy. They are, but it's they're, not, they're in the gray market now. Mm-hmm. They're not part of this whole legal legalization of weed. Weed got legalized for tourists. We call it tourist weed because nobody local goes to any of those spots. Those are for people who will come visiting SoCal to go to those dispensaries like, oh, my God, I'm buying weed at this fucking dispensary, you know? Mm. And that this opens up a lane 
for that. Hmm. So what's next? What's going on next? So right now, at least at the city level, once this kicks in on February 23rd of 2024, that they was move, fast. <laughs> right? They move yeah, so, so fast. So fast. <laughs> yeah. We were like, that's another thing we were asking. I was like, give us way more, or at least give vendors more time to like start their process, their paperwork. And, but yeah, that's going to kick in pretty soon. And so they're going to do this like trial or this like six month essentially oh, trial right, right? Yeah. trial and error they for always them. do this um and then we're like all right we're gonna come back to the same conversation to the same complications that we're being brought up from the very beginning i'm just so tired of the pilots i'm tired of the testing like everything they do mm -hmm. if they're like yeah we know it's kind of bad so like <laughs> it's a work in progress uh, sorry i just no it's, it's like the same old song and dance. Up playing with people's livelihoods yes exactly yes. it's like yes. maybe we could just pass something simple and then maybe add on later if like we yeah. really added some fias on later if we wanted to you know what i mean but no right. he's first that's it for the next steps at least from the city level right uh on terms or in terms of organizing yeah we're going to host a community meeting that we're still in the works, figuring oh, out the date and okay. the details of bringing the vendors, community folks who've been part of the process of the campaign and walking them through the details of the ordinance so they're not mm. caught off guard, right? When the city official comes up to them, or at least they have a better understanding of what they'll be approached about. So yeah, whoever's hearing out there, please, please continue the conversation with street vendors and just join the campaign um, overall and also recognize that the vendors have a lot a lot of say have a lot of knowledge and experience in these issues so like once we have a, like a more solid more solid next steps in terms of like what we're going to be doing next out here in um long beach we'll keep you all posted right so follow long beach forward on our social medias at move lb forward so that so y'all can stay updated with the next steps word we'll have all that information and links in the show information Thank you, Antonio. That was a lot of Thank you, insight <laughs> into this issue that intersects with everything. Workers, class, immigration. Yeah, yeah thanks cool. so much for mm -hmm. like uh like giving us these details and really like laying out how this started and why it's important, you know? Right, right. Definitely Word. a lot of more work to be done. So thank you. <laughs> thank you all for having me here. No definitely. doubt. Definitely. That was a great call to action. I want to just add, uh, if you go to your local street vendor, tip them in cash. Word. You know, try to, oh, try, true, to true. try to put it as directly into their pocket as you possibly can. Keep supporting street vendors, man. Yeah, yeah sure. damn right. Thanks for listening today, everybody, and joining us for this important topic around street vending in Long Beach. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. This is Miles. This is Jordan. And I'm Vic. Don't forget to ask yourself, wait, why, why am, am I, I talking? talking?